Would you join me in thanking Hakeem and the Abdel Khalik family for participating in the Advent reading today. So grateful for that. And I'm happy to see all of you. Thanks for joining us. And if you're a guest today, um, pray that you will just receive the, the Advent love and joy and peace that the Lord would have for you today. On a personal note to our church family, many of you know that my mom passed away just before Thanksgiving. And... Uh, And I want to just thank you for your prayers, your letters, encouragement. It makes, a, it makes a big difference, you know. And so I'm back here today, and I get to be with family. And you want to be with family when you're going through a hard patch, and I'm going through that right now. So thank you for all that you've done. I had a friend ask me this past week, Joel, um, what's it like to be a pastor and lose your mother? Which I found to be an interesting question. Does it make a difference? I don't think so. Uh, I think I'm a Christ follower, and I embrace the presence and the provision of the Lord Jesus and the high and the low, the hard and the good that comes with life. But I'm also a son, and I lost my mom, and I'm grieving that loss deeply. And grief is odd, as you know. It's very personal to each of us. It's very unique to each of us. And at times, it's just like a hovering cloud, and you're just uh, waiting for that sun to peek through. And other times, it's like it's a normal day and everything's just carrying on. And then there are times where grief feels like a 60 mile an hour per, mile per hour wind that just um, comes seemingly out of nowhere and almost knocks you flat. Do you know what I mean by that? I mean, grief is so amazing, the power of it, because our love is deep, it comes deeply to us. And we sing at Christmas time all kinds of beautiful things. We sing that it is the hap happiest time of the year. And it is really in so many ways, but it's also the hard, hardest time of the year for many of us because you're dealing with some loss yourself. Most of us in this space are dealing with loss of some sort. So I pray for you this Christmas, God's comfort when you need it, God's strength when those gale force winds of grief come and almost knock you flat, and God's peace, the peace of Jesus, the peace that passes all understanding when you may be having a hard time just understanding. And the Lord gives us this. I will say for me that these moments over the last uh, couple of weeks um, have been moments that are sweeping away the unimportant and ushering what's most important. And that includes my own name and your name. Our personal names come from our mom and dads. Do you know why you were given the name that you were given? Do you know the significance or the importance of your name? If you don't, I want to encourage you to find out and take advantage of learning what it means to be given the name you've been given. My first name is Joel. It was given to me by my mom and dad simply because they like the name. As I've lived with the name, I like it because of its biblical roots. It's a Hebrew name, and it's pronounced Yoel in Hebrew, and it simply means that Yahweh is God, or the Lord is God. And I want my life to reflect that truth, that the Lord is God, the Lord is my God. And my middle name is Keith. I'm named after my dad, whose name was Keith, although he went by his nickname, Skeeter, almost all of his life. And it was only after his passing in 2009 that I began to use his name actively um, when I signed letters or in my ID cards using uh, the initial K or full letter, uh, a full word of Keith. So I write sometimes Joel Keith Johnson or JKJ because the Keith in my name was given to the end that I want to honor my dad. 
And my last name is Johnson. Until recently, it was the most common name in America. Over two million of us are Johnsons. How many of you are Johnsons in the room? All right, okay, good number of you. Um, it has now recently been surpassed by Smith. I have no issue with you Smiths in the room, but <laughs> we're, we're now second um, to that whole deal. Historically, my last name actually was not Johnson, it was Bogan. And it got changed in 1873 when my great-grandfather, um, Esten, immigrated here from Norway. And he did that to assimilate better into the American way of life. But when I think of the name Johnson, for me, it represents courage of that generation who came and homesteaded here. And it represents to me that willingness to give yourself fully to the hope of a better life, which is why they left Norway and looking for a better life. And I wanna honor the legacy of my great-grandfather um, by living courageously. And I was also given a nickname in high school. It was Stretch, because I was six foot four and 160 pounds. I don't go by that name any longer because it doesn't represent that same reality. <laughs> Listen, your name is important. It is. Find out why you have the name you have and find out its significance. You know, we're calling this Advent series Portraits because the Bible reveals God himself to us in the person of Jesus, who was given many, many names that provide a portrait um, so that we can better understand all the layers and dimensions of who God is revealed to us in Jesus Christ. And so each of those names is important. At Christmas time, we elevate a lot of the names. We read, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And we also continue in that passage to learn that he will be called Wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace, everlasting father. I mean, what amazing names. I'll take a counselor who's wonderful. How about you? I'll take somebody who will offer peace because he's the prince of peace. No one can offer it like him. The father who is everlasting, the God who is mighty. I'm drawn to the qualities of our God through the names that reveal Jesus to us. And historically, Advent anticipated not only the first coming of Christ, but also the second coming of Christ. And in many churches and throughout church history, that's kind of been lost along the way. We're embracing both in our Advent series by taking a look at the names of Jesus through um, the names revealed in the book of Revelation. And so we're looking at names like he is the Alpha and the Omega, which Pastor Zach covered last week. Today, I'm looking at Jesus as the bright morning star. And then next week, the pastor and the shepherd. And then Jesus as lamb and lion. And then on Christmas Eve, we'll look at Jesus as the Savior to the world. And I'm excited for Christmas Eve and each of these Advent Sundays. I want to say something, though. If I could capture your attention just for a moment. This is important. Contrary to public opinion... Revelation is not written um, to satisfy our curiosity about cataclysmic events. And unfortunately, we get so caught up in the sensational, we make the end of times more about the cataclysmic events rather than the person of Jesus Christ himself. 
So I want to just elevate that because first and foremost, revelation is meant to reveal Jesus to you in a very personal way that you would know him and worship him and love him. And it's revealed in revelation also that you would keep yourself from being distracted from knowing and worshiping him, from being derailed because it seems like a long time that we've been waiting upon the Lord to return. I think it's important to say that because I myself, the first five books I read when I first came to faith in Christ, um, were all related to end times and all cataclysmic events and all thinking Henry Kissinger was the Antichrist and I got lost in all of that. It's all meant to be about Jesus. He reveals himself to us in a very personal way and these names do as well. So I'd like you to say these words with me. Revelation reveals Jesus to me. Say that. Revelation reveals Jesus to me. That's what revelation is about. Don't get caught up and concerned about the cataclysmic events. Just embrace the person of Jesus who wants to know you personally. And that's reflected in the message today that Jesus is the bright morning star. We find that declaration of himself from Jesus himself in Revelation twenty-two sixteen. 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. And can I pause there for just a moment and restate it? I want you to see the personal nature of it. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony to Westwood Church. This is for us, Jesus says. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. So what is this bright morning star? Well, you have to look at the whole verse to see the culmination of the bright morning star and its meaning. First, the bright morning star is a portrait of prophecy fulfilled. In this portrait, Jesus says of himself, I am the root of David. So what does that mean? I'm going to invite you to just think about a plant, because every plant has a root before it sprouts so it can survive. So we know that King David sprouted, or he was born around 1050 BC. That is about 1,050 years um, before Jesus Christ arrived. And so we come back to the reality of what's priority. What comes first? Answer the question out loud. The root or the sprout? You're right on this morning. Got enough sleep last night. It's the root that comes first. This is fascinating because Jesus is revealing something about his portrait that he doesn't want us to miss. And that is Jesus existed before David. And not only that, that his existence Um, is what brought the coming of David. King David came because Jesus made it happen for him to be birthed and to be the king that he would become for God's purposes. And so the proclamation, I am the root of David, means that Jesus has always been in existence. That he is not only the root of David, but also he is the root of everything that has ever been brought into existence. And he does this so that we would see in Jesus that he is not simply a mere human, that he is God himself. He always was, is, and will still be to come. And I think that alone makes the first coming of Christ meaningful to the world. Not that a good man came, not that just a great teacher came, um, not that a great sufferer came, but that God himself came and that's elevated for us in the common verse at Christmas time from Matthew 1.23. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive, give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Oh, there's another name of our Lord, God with us. He always was, 
always is, and is still to come with us. Oh, that should lift our hearts. Who is Jesus? He's the root of David, God with us always. But secondly, he is, in this portrait, um, in the bright morning star, I am the root and the offspring of David. So we can look at the genealogies of Christ as found in Matthew's gospel and Luke's gospel and see that indeed Jesus is actually a direct descendant of King David 28 generations apart. That Jesus is reminding us that yes, he is God. Let us never forget that. But also that he is human. That he walked in our midst for 33 years. And what a great comfort it is to us because what is being said here is many of us tend to think of God as being transcendent, removed, distant, not part of our personal journey. But Jesus is reminding us that he's not simply transcendent, he is imminent, he's present, he sees you, he knows you, he knows right now what I'm going through. And I knew he'd give me the strength to get here this morning and preach a message to you, to be with you. I needed that for today, but I know that he sees me and I'm comforted in that reality that he gets us, he sees us, he understands us, he knows our needs. Aren't you glad for that? Because all of us want to have somebody who gets us because we deal with people who go, you just don't get me. No, he gets us, everything about us. So as the root and the offspring of David, Jesus fulfills what the prophets said about his coming in Isaiah 11, and just take in the prophecy in what has come to be seen. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, that's David's father, from the roots of a branch will bear fruit. Here's the fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. And it continues. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. Look at this. Just, just this, this little line just rocks me. The nations will rally to him and his resting place will be glorious. It's the promise that this Messiah will come, and he comes in Jesus, that the favor of God will rest upon him, that he will bear fruit, and the fruit will be one of wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, power from God that will be shared with us. We're the beneficiaries of this given prophecy. And then did you notice, it says the the nations will rally to him. And when I read that this week in preparation for this, can I just tell you, it pumped me up. And I needed a little pumping up this past week, I'll be honest with you. It just pumped me up that we find throughout the scriptures, thread through every book, this heart of God for the nations of the world and the promise that the nations will rally for him. They will come to him, that they will be drawn to him along the way. And what pumped me up about it is our 10-year 2028 vision here, near, far, that includes us partnering with others to plant 100 churches to the nations that have come to the Twin City area because the world is at our doorstep. In the, in the fall, October of 2020, we had two partners that were working with us to, to plant churches among the nations that have come to the Twin Cities. Over a million immigrants and refugees that have come into these tents, Twin Cities are changing the face of the communities that we live in. In October 2021, that two went to 31 because leaders are embracing the movement of God in the Twin Cities. And now you read the promise that the nations will rally for him. They will want to know him. So I'm seeing the confidence that we can have in our investment of time and resources to the work of the Lord, the movement of God, to see the nations of the world, even those that have come to our backyard, 
rally to him to get to know him. Can you tell I'm a little excited about this piece of the... I could have ended my message here. I, I could have kept going with this given thought. I think it is so beautiful. The prophecy of the great rally is in motion right now. And we're part of it. And now we get to the signature portrait. This beautiful image when Jesus says, I am the bright morning star. This actually fulfills a prophecy of an Old Testament, get a hold of this, Gentile prophet. You might think all the prophets were Jewish. They were not. They were Gentile prophets. This prophet is named Balaam. And so we're finding a hyperlink from Revelation and what Jesus says of himself to this prophecy given all the way back in Numbers 24, 17, when Balaam says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. So in his first coming, that we celebrate so readily at Christmas time. The prophets are calling Jesus the bright morning star because he will be a light penetrating the darkness so we will see the glory of God. We will be drawn to him. We will want to know him. We will, among the nations, rally to him. But now in Revelation, Jesus calls himself the bright morning star at the end of the tribulation because he's going to come again as the everlasting light dissipating all darkness. And I love that God, who created us in his own image, knows that we are visual people. So we have all of these names so that we have visuals to help us understand who this Jesus is that we come to worship. And we find that he is the bright morning star is simply a reference to what we know today about the planet Venus. The astronomers, astrologers of the day um, called them all stars, but we know it today to be the planet Venus. That Venus, I don't know if you realize this, is still called the evening star and the morning star for a reason. So I brought some images to remind you that Venus shines so brightly that it is the first star to appear in the sky after dark. And isn't it glorious? You're drawn to want to look at it. Jesus knows that. And so he's drawing us in this likening that he himself is Jesus that will appear. It's the evening comes as the darkness rises. But then Venus shines also in the darkness of the night sky. I love this image. And it, it, again, it draws me. Even in the darkness, the light is there for us. And then, of course, we know that Venus arises in this third image in the western sky about four in the morning. We soon hear the birds sing, and shortly after that, in the eastern sky, there you can see it, the sun rises. But Venus is the precursor to the sun rising. They just love the imagery. It connects because we, we see the star. The morning star is then the promise of a new day, of new beginnings, of a new start. Anybody in the room or at home right now um, or wherever you might be worshiping ever need a new day, a fresh start for the beginning of a day? I, I do right now. I'm feeling that. And I have the promise that his mercies are new every day because I embrace Jesus as the bright morning star. And so Jesus um, is the one who will return as the radiant light that ends all darkness and the landing strip here from this little text is that Jesus represents the dawning of a, new, of a new day. Would you say that out loud with me? Jesus represents the dawning of a new day. You need a new day? You need a fresh start? You need a new beginning? Jesus is going to give that to you. Had a bad day? Did you sin in a way that really is not honoring to the way of the Lord? There's a new day. You get to receive the forgiveness of the Lord and be set free. What a promise we're given here.
The Apostle Peter um, actually brought this portrait before the people in the early church because they were getting antsy. They expected Jesus to return like right now and they got impatient with it and some got distracted. So they moved toward darkness. Some got derailed altogether. And Peter expresses concern and uses this very promise of Jesus in 2 Peter 1.19. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable And you will do well to pay attention to it. As to a light shining in the dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. (laughs) So when you receive Jesus, the morning star is rising in your heart daily. We see the bright morning star is the portrait of prophecy fulfilled, but that's not all. It's a portrait of Jesus as light. It's reliable. Pay attention on your hard days and your good days. He is the bright morning star. And it is a picture of the light of Jesus beaming in such a way that we let it affect our everyday journey. And it it affects us in so many practical ways. I made a list. I chose three from the list. And I just want to briefly um, call your attention to these three. First of all, light attracts. That our eyes are immediately in a darkened space, drawn to a light um, that is shining. We're drawn to a candle that is lit. And so it is with Jesus. He is light. We're drawn to him in the internal nature of who we are. Jesus is a light that attracts people, affirmed in Isaiah 9-2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And we've seen that light. Most of us here gathered have received that light and are seeking to live in that light. When Jesus began his ministry, a lot of people were drawn to his light, the light of his teaching, the light of his healing, the light of his love that so transformed them that it opened up their eyes to the reality that God is God revealed to us in Jesus Christ and it would change and bring a movement of change through the whole world. And then we find many people did not pay attention to him. So we're told in the second coming that Jesus will come and the radiance of his glory will shine so brightly that everyone will be attracted to him, that they will sit up and they will take notice. And we're told that every knee would bow and confess him as Jesus, um, as Lord and Savior. This is what he has called us to be and see, that people are attracted to the reality of Christ now through us who have received him. He's still attracting attention. And we are his followers and we are called to be his light Um, bearers, reflecting his light in this dark world. So Matthew 5, Jesus tells us, let your light shine. He's, He's giving an imperative here. I'm placing my light and putting it into you when you receive me so that your light will shine. Let your light shine so that people will see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven, that they'll be attracted to the Jesus who is in you, the light of Christ who resides in you. So those who have yet to believe are attracted, friends, to Jesus Christ who is in you. That if you've received the light, it's not just about your salvation and your heaven to come. It's intended that you would be a light for those who are in your sphere of influence, your career places, your neighborhoods, um, your families. We get to be the light of Christ. When the light of Christ is authentically in you, the promise is it attracts. It attracts. So right now, God has purposed you to have people in your life whom he intends that you will let 
you will be his radiant light to them. So I want to encourage you, invite people to Christmas Eve. It is the most likely time that they will say yes to an invitation to come to a service, to hear about Jesus, and to know that they will be attracted to the light. We know that people will come to salvation on our Christmas Eve services because you are a light and representing it. I believe that some will come to salvation in our gatherings right now, in our services, because the light of Christ is shining upon us, drawing us to himself. It's attractive. And then the bright morning star also affects us this way. It guides us. I was just reminiscing with a good friend this past week, um, one whom we've traveled with our families to Topsail, North Carolina for vacations when our kids were young. And we were reminiscing about an experience we had one evening when the moon was full, rising up over the ocean, and the light was dancing on the ocean surface in a way that it created what looked like a path that you could just go and walk on. Not necessarily a wise thing to do on an ocean, but we saw that path and we took our chairs and we got down onto the beach and we just looked at the moon dancing onto that beautiful waterway. But it just takes me into this moment of what Jesus is trying to do here, that Jesus wants us to know that he is always creatively making real paths for us to walk on and navigate the reality of the dark world in which we live in, but with the light that he provides for us which is why Zechariah prophesied that the Messiah came in Luke 179 to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Boy, in the times that we're living, it's so disruptive, isn't it? Who's going to bring peace into the world? Jesus Christ. And who is he going to bring peace of the world to the world through? You and me. I'm not looking to the government to fix the problems of the world that we're in right now, but I am looking to the church of Jesus Christ to be the light that provides, as the prophecy reminds us here, a guide for our feet into the ways of peace. Would you agree we could use some more peace in the world? We're going to be the ones providing it, friends. Let's own the reality. We get to be the peace givers which affects how we think, what we say, and what we do in this disruptive time. Jesus wants us to understand that he is our point of reference. So can I ask, do you ever, have you ever needed help knowing what to do next in your life? Anybody? Yeah. Or have you needed to have a better sense of the direction you should go? We're learning that Jesus is the bright morning star, the radiant glory of God who paves paths for us that will help us know which way to go, the decisions to make, how to walk through um, a pandemic. As a leader, I'm needing help, and I'm going to God first and foremost because the scientists are all polarized and conflicted with each other. I'm going that direction and say, oh, God, help us as we move through this. If we need direction in our relationships, I'm going to God first. If we need direction in terms of a career path that's before us, I'm going to go to God first. We go to friends and family first sometimes, and we're told to seek godly counsel in the Psalms. And we ought to do that because Jesus reveals himself through the words of others, but not at the expense of going to God and hearing his voice, to be alone with God or concerning the direction of your life. He calls us to this. I love that he does this. And the big and the little decisions that we have, even in the grief realities like I'm going through right now, and uh, many of your words have been a path for me and my family, and we're grateful for that. One of them came from Hakim, the very person and family that we saw in the Advent reading today. And Hakim um, shared with me a poem, far too long for me to read here, but in it, it included these lines that lifted me so. The weight of the world is but a feather in his grasp. He has you covered, you only need to ask. 
That's worthy of sitting in, isn't it? I like this, that we have this God we can go to, we can ask and he will guide, and asking always involves listening, so we seek to listen. So light attracts, it guides, but then finally I wrap up with light transforms. Receiving the light of Christ into our lives changes us now in anticipation when the Lord returns and he makes us full and complete. As found in 1 John 3, 2. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. The Bible uses a couple kind of big terms for this saying that when you receive Christ into your life, you will be sanctified. You will grow in the likeness of Jesus. We get to be and live like him even now. It's taking shape, this transformation. And then the day he comes again, we will be glorified. That is, either through the death passing through that thin line into eternal glory or Jesus coming again, we will see him face to face and we will be made complete. We will be standing in the fullness of his joy. That comforts me. My mom is in the fullness of love right now. I still have darkness that surrounds me, so I gotta navigate all of that in a way and the loss that's there, but I have the confidence of where she is and my hope to be with her to continue the journey and a day still to come. So I like this picture. When he returns, he'll make it complete, but I like the changes that Christ makes in me now. Do you? Do you like the changes he's making in you right now? Because the new day begins now. I used to be bound to dark habits, but since I met Jesus, it's a new day now. I used to have this thing called self-esteem that dominated my life, but now I have Christ-esteem. Because I've met Jesus, it's a new day now. I used to hold on to this thing called self-confidence, but now I have this Christ-confidence which gives a confidence and assurance greater than anything I could ever generate in myself because I met Jesus. It's a new day now. I used to have this thing called fear that would hold me back and guilt that would press me down, but they hold me no longer because I've met Jesus and a new day is here now. Can I get an amen to any of that? <laughs> Isn't that the beauty? It begins now. And so the evidence of the presence of the Lord is at work in us, changing us even now. For months now, I have closed my morning prayers with the same words. You might want to do this. It's, it's just been a couple months, but I think I'm going to continue maybe the rest of my life. I don't know. It's been so powerful. I conclude my morning prayers with the words, Lord, surprise me today. Add that to your prayer mindset. Lord, surprise me today. And then I've been journaling here and there. The Lord surprising me. Can I tell you, every day, he has surprised me usually in simple ways of goodness, sometimes with huge splashes of love that are poured over me, that it brings a joy that's uncontainable. Lord, surprise me today. And so we come, and I pray the Lord has surprised you in some measure even today, that Jesus is the bright morning star. What a name. That Jesus has many names, that different, different snapshots of who he is, and none overstate who Christ is, and clearly and none alone can capture him. That's why we have so many. But Jesus' name is Yeshua in Hebrew. Yeshua means the Lord is my salvation. And his name Christ is actually a title, Christus, uh, which means the anointed one or the Messiah. So Jesus, the Son of God, is the anointed one, the Messiah, who has come to save you and me and the world that is rallying to him. And that's why we come to this table, to remember the bread and the cup 
the presence, the provision of the Lord. And if you have never said yes to the bright morning star who is Jesus, he is making a promise to you of a dawning of a new day, a fresh start when you say yes. And I would invite you, listen to the prompting of the spirit and say yes all over again and start this day with him as we celebrate his coming, his living in our midst, his dying and his rising. So join me in prayer as we come. So Father, we thank you for this gift of revealing yourself through your son Jesus, the Christ, the bright morning star. May he be magnified in our worship. Your love attracts us, so we come to you because we're attracted. Your wisdom guides us, so we trust you with our lives and the paths that you have for us. Your power transforms us, so we change to become more like you in the way we live and speak, what we do, might we reflect you. Jesus, be our bright morning star on this day as we come to this table. And if there's anyone that has not said yes, by the prompting of your spirit, you give them that holy tug that they cannot resist, that they would say yes to Jesus as Lord and Savior, as bright morning star, we ask in Jesus' name.